occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Hey, welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 102. I'm Abby. I'm Kate, and we'll be your ghostesses in March. Oh, it's getting a bit warmer. The ducks are getting babies. It's us. We're the ducks. Ew, that's not happening. (laughs) I am going to go see them in the pond. I'm going to have a little iced coffee. I've already had one. Why did you say that so sensually? Because <laughs> it's Watch my... out, iced coffee. Avi's on the loose. It's my one true love. What are you talking about today, Kate? I will be talking about the Black Widows of Liverpool. I'm going to be talking about the Hinterkaifeck murders, which was a listener request. I feel like mine is more catchy. And it's obviously not English, so please excuse my pronunciation. No. Obviously, this is going to be a true crime episode, so it might not be as, you know, upbeat and fun. So we'll we'll chat a little first. Pop to cat, pop to cat. Hey, okay. here we are. That's probably <laughs> enough. Do you have anything to say before we get into the news? No. The news this week, although this is quite old because I wrote this news a while back, but it was sent in to me from a listener and it's still relevant because we haven't talked about it. It is wild. You know the Somerton man? We covered him way back. No. He was on a beach. Tamam should. Yeah. Yeah. Call him by his name. His identity is apparently solved. So from The Guardian, basically, if you haven't listened to this episode, TLDR, uh, there was a guy on a beach in 1948 wearing a suit. He was deceased. The tags were cut off the suit. He had unused train and bus tickets. And there was a scrap of paper with the word finished written on it in Persian. And no one could agree on how he died. But now an Australian professor named Derek Abbott so that the Somerton man's identity was a 33-year-old Australian electrical engineer. So Derek and an American genealogist named Colleen Fitzpatrick analysed the remaining DNA from the guy, and they built his family tree until they found a man that fit the description. So Charles was born in 1905, and he had no death record. So could that be the guy? Could that be him? I would love to know what we thought the answer was. I can't remember. Probably a spy, right? We probably thought it was a spy. Possibly. I think around that time, that era of Kate, I thought everyone was a spy. Spy Kate era. Spy Kate. Accusing everyone else of being a spy. Because you know what? No one would then think I was a spy. No, and you've quit your job now, so you can tell everyone you were a spy. I was not a spy. Please, no one come for me. <laughs> no, I was she not was a spy. not a spy. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out and tell us what you think. Tell us if you agree with this. It's definitely an interesting, puzzling case. Tell us if we chat shit. I can't remember what's in that. We do need to remaster some of the old episodes. Oh, for sure. So when we get to that, I'll let you know what we thought. Are you ready? I'm ready. For the main... Well, mine's the starter, isn't it? Yours is the... uh... I would say yours is the main meat and mine's the dessert. Oh, uh, main meat. Molly. I don't know why I nicknamed myself. Oh god, I wish I hadn't have done that. Okay, we ready with a main meat Molly and Abby to talk about some murder? Hey, welcome back. I'm main meat Molly. That's Abby. I'm Fabi Abby Abby. You ready to go? Okay. My sources for this week are Wikipedia, crimemuseum.org, liverpoolecho.co.uk, historic-liverpool.co.uk, and liverpoolcitypolice.co.uk. So unfortunately, the Black Widows of Liverpool did not include Scarlett Johansson. No. This is going to be dull by comparison of what you thought this was going to include. Instead, the Black Widows of Liverpool is an alias for Margaret Higgins and her older sister, Catherine Flanagan. Flanagan was their name originally, 
Margaret got married, I believe. The pair came from Ireland to Liverpool back in the late 1800s to make a name for themselves as landladies. As with all pipe dreams, they didn't make a good enough wage by becoming landladies, and they were still poor. No. Instead of getting a side hustle for extra cash, they started looking into burial societies. Quick lowdown on burial societies. It's like a non-profit life insurance pool. Everyone in the society pays into like a, a money vat, and whenever someone dies, it covers their funeral costs. Oh, right. In essence, the perfect vessel for fraud, mm -hmm. which is exactly what these two thought of. They realised that this could be their get-rich-quick idea they'd wanted from moving to Liverpool. They That's what I had when we moved back here. <laughs> you were like, tell me about the burial societies, Kate. Yeah, I was like, Kate, I used to live here for my whole entire life, um, and I have some fun information for you. We go there, and we get rich. Fraud. But it didn't work, so we started a podcast. <laughs> and yeah. we're still poor. It didn't work, so now here we are telling you about when it did work for someone else. Spoilers. They realised that it could be their get-rich-quick idea. They could get money for a funeral and skimp out on it. But first, they needed a dead body. Around December 1880, Catherine's son, John Flanagan, died at the age of 22. This was no surprise, because Catherine had been telling people he was unwell for ages. Aww. So it was a tragedy, but nothing else. Catherine then got to claim £71, which, do you want to guess what it would work out to? What year is this? 1800s. £71. 20 grand. Okay, it was £8,000. That was complete guessing, I have no idea. I wanted it to sound like I was doing maths. Oh, right. Did it work? So you were like... Yeah. Why do people do that? I don't know, but it, I, I don't know, but I always believe it. You know, I don't know if you ever get this, but when I get on the phone to my dad and I'm like trying to explain technology or I'm like trying to find like a figure for him or something, because like my dad and I work together sometimes, I'll phone him and I'll be like, so like he knows that I'm looking for the information. Oh no, I always just stay completely silent and then I go, sorry. <laughs> You are awful on the phone, though. Yeah, I hate it. Get away from me. Don't call me ever. Anyway, so they got a little over £8,000. These women still decided to be landladies as well as murderesses and fraudsters. Christ. Grind culture. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, both Catherine and her sister Margaret were in 5 Skirving Street with two lodger families, the Higginses, which was Thomas and his daughter Mary, and the Jenningses, Patrick and his daughter Margaret. Pretty confusing now because there are two Margarets and a mm -hmm. Mary. So when I introduced the sisters, I mentioned that Margaret's last name was Higgins because she got into a relationship with her lodger Thomas in 1882. That but, seems inappropriate. And they later got married. It's not like a school, like you're allowed. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> you just live together. You've skipped a step. There wasn't much time to celebrate being newlyweds. Within a few months of the wedding, Thomas's daughter Mary died at the age of eight after a short illness. Oh, goodness. The burial society paid out, and the new wife, Margaret, decided she would help and collect it for him. The exact value of the payout is unknown. I imagine, though, if you could get over £8,000 in today's money for a 22-year-old, it would be a lot more for a young person. Yes. So by this point, they've murdered two young people, and no alarm bells are ringing for anyone. They killed him? Oh, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. I thought that we were going to get to that later. Like, this was an idea, this real, I made them realise they could kill people. They were killing these people? Yes. 
oh, this isn't very nice. They're not even like strangers. Not that that would make it any better. No, they did set up for the 22-year-old. They were like, yeah, yeah, he's not very well. He's not very well. Killed him. (gasps) And then as soon as she got married, i.e. she could go and collect the burial payout, his his daughter died. What a bitch. Yeah. The alarm bells continued not to go off. Apparently, you would fit right in in the late 1800s. You were just like, oh, these people are dropping like flies. They then murdered Margaret Jennings, who was 19. Her father was distraught, so his landlady, Catherine, decided to go and collect the cash for him. Oh my goodness. No one had caught on yet, which I thought was unbelievable, but now I totally believe. (laughs) But people had started noticing the mortality rate of Five Skirving Street. So they moved moved their household to 105 Latimer Street and then once again to 27 Ascot Street. Both of these residences were closer towards the city centre. Skirving Street is about a half hour walk outside of the city centre. But the other two old streets don't exist anymore as a lot of the old streets were demolished in the 20th century. But they would have only been moving a couple of roads over from Latimer to Ascot Street. I saw an old map. It took me ages. So it was all going great then, until Thomas Higgins, who was Margaret's husband, fell ill in September 1883. He had awful stomach pains, so Margaret phoned Dr Whitford. Whitford said that Thomas had dysentery, which is a gastrointestinal problem that gives you diarrhoea. To cure this, Whitford gave him opium, because what couldn't be solved by opium, and castor oil. Only two days after this prescription, Thomas died at the age of 45. They recontacted Whitford and he provided a death certificate listing dysentery as the cause of death. So Catherine and Margaret had got away with it again. They thought everything was fine. But Thomas's brother Patrick had heard about his death. It surprised him that Thomas could have died from dysentery because he was a strong and healthy guy. Patrick investigated and found that Thomas had cover from five different burial societies. Oh, goodness. This would leave his widow with over £100 profit, which is over 1300 wait, £13,500 today. When he found this out, he went straight to the authorities, who, then asked, who he then asked to conduct a full post-mortem to see if it really was dysentery that killed him. So the coroner arrived... At the wake. He just trotted in and was like, I'm going to be doing a full post-mortem because we think you guys are sus. Fair enough. Slay. At which point, Catherine legged it out the back door. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Authorities detained Margaret and they found Catherine one week later. Definitely not sketchy then. No. Thomas's body showed evidence of arsenic poisoning. Strangely, Margaret had evidence of arsenic within a bottle containing a mystery white substance and a market pocket on her. So she's got a little vial of what appears to be arsenic. He died of arsenic poisoning. Doesn't take a genius. Case closed. Yeah. So at that point, both sisters were formally charged with the murder of Thomas Higgins. Then the authorities realised that three more deaths were associated with the pair. So they exhumed the bodies of the previous victims and found minimal deterioration, which is a sign of arsenic poisoning. When tested, their remains did indeed come back as containing traces of arsenic. It wasn't the typical rat poison that had been used to kill everyone, which is what I thought would have happened. No, apparently, Catherine and Margaret had soaked flypaper 
in water. What's flypaper? You know, like the sticky, like flies stick to it. Oh, yeah. That. Oh. They'd soak that in water. I thought it was like an old timey name for something. <laughs> no. <laughs> they had soaked flypaper. No. Like the actual sticky yeah, yeah, yeah. yellow stuff now. I don't know if it was yellow then. Because that was covered in arsenic. They'd sort of put it in water, the arsenic had come off, and then they'd use that. Wow. Yeah. When Catherine was arrested, she said that these murders were not isolated. She claimed that there were at least six or seven other deaths relating to burial society fraud. She claimed that Margaret Evans, Bridget Begley, and Margaret Higgins were also killers. She also said that Margaret Potter, a Mrs Fallon, and a Bridget Stanton were the insurers. Also, that Catherine Ryan had obtained the arsenic needed named by one of the... Sorry had obtained the arsenic needed by one of the named poisoners that I've just listed. Apparently, Margaret Evans had been the founder of the whole operation. It all started with the murder of a mentally handicapped teenager. Margaret Evans herself did not gain the insurance payout from this death, but she had dealings with the teenager's father, which may have been profitable. This was all ignored by the authorities, because it was deemed almost impossible to prove that these deaths were murders. Mm. Although, they might have all had the same MO, right? At which point you exhume the bodies, see if they're deteriorated. I would assume so, yeah, but maybe it costs too much. What do I know? I'm not an authority in the late 1800s. Now, if you were, then that would be a great guess for the show. If I were, then I would be cancelled immediately. (laughs) Catherine and Margaret were found guilty after trial and were hanged. Mr. Bartholomew Binns was the executioner during a snowstorm on the 3rd of March 1884 at Kirkdale Prison, to which every scouser made the jokes that he took the rubbish out of Liverpool because his last name was Binns, so he was the bin man. Oh, I was thinking Binns. Yeah. 3rd of March. March. That's in two days. Wow, anniversary episode. Yeah. Oh, gross. Yeah. Pretty rough. That's my story. Wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah, right? See, I told you I wouldn't remember any of that. I knew. We went on a... Uh, walking tour. We went on a ghost walking tour, and they would told us that story, and Kate was like, oh, no, I've written this. That was months ago. We wrote this months ago. Yeah, And I was I'd, like, I won't remember this. We went on the tour in October, and I'd already written it for a month. <laughs> so I wrote this last September, and then for some reason we just didn't exist for months but I, at the time i was like abby close your ears and she was like what's happening and i was like i just don't listen my memory isn't very good i knew that i wouldn't remember well interesting no. story though now you know it was so local too right wow i've been to skirving street yeah i really thought it was like you know when like like parchment or something flypaper yeah I was that's like, so funny flypaper what's that flypaper me when I throw a paper aeroplane. If you like the podcast and you want to follow us on social media, you can do that at Myth Magic Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Myths Magic Murder. Over on Patreon, you can give as much or as little as you'd like. You get to see our smiling faces because we upload videos on there. Uh, we also do a coffee and a chat before every episode. We give you guys polls, we ask you questions, you can get in touch with us. It's a two way street, I like to think. 
Um, also, if you have any haunted happenings, terrifying tales, or spooky stories, you can email us on mythsmagicandmurder at gmail.com. We also have merchandise, so you can look beautiful wearing our garments if you go on mythsmagicandmurder.com. <laughs> um, go over to our website and there's a little merch button. Give it a little clicky click. And our Patreons have a discount, I believe. Yes. Okay, let me tell you about my story. So this mysterious event took place on the evening of March 31st. This is quite soon as well. March episode? 1922. Wow, maybe that's why we didn't do it in September. Because we knew that we should do it in March. No, we're just lazy and forgot. So, we're not lazy. Things were happening. Anyway, a little bit of a brief warning before we begin. I'm not going to go into horrible, horrible detail but some children die in this. It's a murder story. So the Gruber family lived on an isolated farm in Germany. The household consisted of Andreas, age 63, his wife Kazilla, age 72, and their adult daughter Victoria, who was 35 at the time of her death. Victoria was a widow and had had some children of her own. Kazilla, age 7, I know. You're going to get confused. I know. That's also her grandmother's name. And Joseph, who was two. So there's the grandparents, their daughter, and the daughter's two children, okay? Can I just ask you, how is Gruber spelt? Why? Because of the pronunciation. G-R-U-B-E-R. B-E-R. Okay, that's fine. Just because there's this letter in German, and it looks like a weird B, but it's pronounced S. Right. So I was like, didn't want you to have made a mistake. Yeah, whenever I try and do any German, I can't. I'm so bad with accents, but I really obviously want to say things right. So please correct me if if I mess up. Mm -hmm. I took German. I'm not just a knob. So they also had a maid named Maria who was 44. The farm was built around 1863. And after the family moved into it, things were normal for them up until of August 1921. Around this point, their maid had quit. While there's no solid proof as to why, it's wildly reported that she'd been hearing noises in the attic And in addition to feeling uneasy about this, she also believed the house was haunted. So she was out of there. Mm -hmm. Unusually, this wasn't the only weird thing that was happening to the family. At one point, shortly before the murders, while Andreas was going about his business on the farm, he came across a local newspaper from Munich. And the family farm was located about 43 miles away from the city, so he couldn't understand why this had gotten on his property. Mm. Because it was isolated, you know? Mm -hmm. He didn't remember buying it, so he just assumed that the postman had accidentally brought it or had lost it on the way to the city or something like that. He brought it up to the postman a couple of days later and the postman was like, no one in this area subscribes to that, so I don't know how that's got here. Several days before the murders, Andreas also came across fresh footprints in the snow that led from the forest that surrounded the house to the farm's machine room. I would be out of there like that. Yeah, right. Was it the newspaper or the footsteps? The footsteps. You, you can explain away a newspaper, maybe it flew. Yeah, they they do be flying. Fly paper. paper. But footsteps? No. Irrefutable proof that someone is loitering. Yeah, well, later on that day, the family heard footsteps in the attic. <clears throat> but when Andreas went to see who was hiding in this house, he found nobody there. Also, mm-hmm. God bless this man, because he's the only one that's, like, checking things out actively. He told people about the footsteps, but he refused to accept help for the disturbances, and he didn't call the police. That's strange. The new maid, Maria who I mentioned earlier, she started working on the farm March 31st, 1922. On the day she started working on the farm, Maria's sister brought her to the farm that day, like to drop her off. Mm -hmm. And after a short visit, she was on her way home. 
and she was likely the last person to see both her sister and the family alive. On the next day, April 1st, coffee sellers arrived to the farm to take an order, but nobody answered the door. The sellers walked around the yard and knocked on the windows, but still found nobody. They did notice that the gate to the machine room was open, the same one that the footsteps had led to. Mm -hmm. At 3am on this night, a farmer saw two unknown figures on the edge of the forest, and when they saw him, they turned so their faces couldn't be seen. Kazilla, the child, was absent from school for several days, and the family also failed to show up to Sunday church, which was very unusual for them. An assembler named Albert Hoffner visited the farm on the 4th of April to repair an engine. He didn't see the family, and he only heard the farm animals. While he was there, there was no sign of any people. He waited for an hour to be like, hey, I'm here to, you know, sort things out. But nobody showed up, but so he just did the repair, and then he left after five hours. That same day, some neighbours came to the farm to try and find answers because the family had been missing for several days and, you know, they still couldn't hear anything. It was very suspicious. And when they entered the barn, they found the bodies of Andreas, his wife, Kazilla, their daughter Victoria and their granddaughter, Kazilla, also, murdered in the barn. Shortly after this gruesome discovery, the bodies of Maria the maid and the youngest son, Joseph, were discovered murdered inside of the home. So obviously, the police immediately investigated this, Mm -hmm. and an autopsy was performed the very next day by the court physician, and it was established that a mattock was most likely the weapon, but they couldn't find it in the area. What's a mattock? A mattock is basically like a variation pickaxe. Okay. It's like that shape. I don't know what it's used for, because I didn't write that down. But I did write, if you don't know what a mattock is, it's basically a variation pickaxe. That's so funny, because I was immediately like, what the hell is a mattock? I knew you were going to ask. Because I also didn't know. A mathock is used for digging, prying, and chopping. has a long handle and stout head, which combines either a vertical axe blade with a horizontal adze, which is a cutter mattock, or a pick and an adze, which is a pick mattock. It does look like a pickaxe, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It looks like um, what... The seven dwarves used in Snow White. Yeah. Yes. There was evidence that whoever had killed the family had lived in the house between the murders and the discoveries of the bodies. And when I say lived, I mean lived. Like, the people had seen smoke coming from the chimney, even though the family had been deceased for days. There was food recently eaten and prepared in the kitchen. And weirdly enough, the livestock were fed and the person had milked the cows. So it was just like they'd taken over their life. I hate that. And then left. That's awful. I mean, obviously murder's awful, but... It's weird to be comfortable after doing that and continuing to stay there. Especially if two of them are still in the house. Yes, right? Like, it's weird anyway. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, oh, it's so weird only because of this. But like, surely you'd move everyone out if you're going to then live in the house. It was just for a couple of days, I don't know. Wow. So police initially thought this was a robbery and they began interrogating travelling craftsmen and people who lived nearby who may fit the profile of a robber. But when they explored the house further, they discovered a large amount of money that hadn't been taken by the intruder. So they just went there to kill people and milk the cows? Very confusing. You can just ask to milk a cow. Yeah, you don't have to go about it like this. No. There are several more notable suspects, such as the Gump brothers whose sister, while on her deathbed, said that her brothers had committed the murder. One suspicious piece of evidence came in 1971, when a woman wrote a letter describing an event when she was 12. 
which was around the same time as the murders. Mm -hmm. The woman had witnessed her mother being visited by another mother, whose sons were named Carl and Andreas, and apparently the mother said that Andreas lost his penknife. The Hinterkaifeck farm was demolished in 1923, and a penknife was found there that nobody was able to identify. Right. However, it could have just been owned by one of the victims. It wasn't like a super unusual penknife, but it is still weird. Mm. The ex-maid of the family said that she'd definitely seen the knife before. So, you know, it, it could have just been a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, it might, yeah, it might be like, if it's a common penknife, they might have just had the same penknife. Yeah. That maid also said that she suspected two brothers named Anton and Carl to have committed the murders. Anton had helped out on the farm before, so he would have known the layout of it, and the dog never barked at him. She also said that he would speak to a stranger through her window at night. I have no idea why this wasn't investigated more, but she thought that the person she was talking to was Carl, Anton's brother. Sorry. Sorry. Why would you be okay with that? I don't know. Just chatting someone through the window in an isolated farm. I don't know. Please tell me she was on the ground floor. I hope so. Christ. She also said that she believes they committed the murders with the help of another man named George, who allegedly had broken into their house before and knew that they had a lot of money stashed there. But again, he didn't take... No one took the money, so... There was also some thoughts about being a man known, known as Paul. Paul Mueller... Muella, who was a suspect in another very similar murder. So this guy was known to have departed Germany for America, and there was a string of very similar murders throughout America at this time. Right. So a lot of people think that it was him, and then he fled, and he continued murdering people, but just in America. In May 1927, a stranger said that he was the murderer to a passerby, and then he ran into the woods. But this was never investigated, so we don't know whether he was. I'm going to say probably doubtful on that one. You think? Yeah, probably. Why? Because you don't often get murderers be like, I murdered someone. And then run away. Yeah. Maybe you just had to tell someone though. People nearby to the house also reported a strange smell coming from the chimney right after the murders, like something weird was being burned. But this also was not investigated. So nobody knows what the killer was burning. Maybe it was some kind of evidence. Right, but like what? Like what's going to smell that weird that people notice? People are like, ooh, weird smell coming from over there, but we shouldn't investigate. I don't know. They continued interrogating and making arrests, but they were never able to find the person responsible for the murders. And what's wild about this is that they were doing interrogations regarding this case until 1896. Wait, 1986. I was going to say when when you'd said about um, the piece of evidence that had happened... 46 years later or whatever it was the, the pen knife one it's mad I can't believe that it was investigated for that long yes because it's so so weird yeah and unfortunately that is it it was never solved it's very frustrating but when they did demolish the building they discovered a mattock which is what they thought the murder weapon was and it was hidden in the attic oh the attic so it could it could be the same one That's um, weird. it's a wild case but there are some other weird extra bits that I want to talk about so one weird fact that I need to mention is that Joseph, the youngest victim, was the daughter, the, the son of Victoria, who was another victim. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Joseph's father is thought to be one of two people. First one is her own dad, Andreas. And the second one is a neighbor named Lorenz. And we don't know which one is 
I hate stories where it's like, surprise, incest. Yeah, it's the worst kind of surprise. Well, it's definitely up there. Yeah. So before they were murdered, Andreas and his daughter Victoria, two of the victims in the story, you know, you remember them, Mm -hmm. they were arrested for incest. And this guy, Lorenz, did some pretty sketchy stuff after the murders. He arrived to investigate after he heard of the bodies and he just let himself in because he had a house key. Mm -hmm. But also, a key to the family's house had gone missing a couple of days before the bodies were discovered. Right. So we don't know if he he was given a house key or whether whether he took the key. Right. It's possible that Lorenz was given a key because obviously he was a neighbour and, you know, he could have been this girl's, you know, the father of this child so you know we don't know that but it's still very weird and the police were like why would you go to the house when the murderer may still be there and he was like i went to look for my son want to have a look yeah that doesn't surprise me i feel like people will rub a neck to the nth degree yeah i don't think that's super weird it's also known that lorenz disturbed the bodies at the scene oh christ which massively compromised the official investigation lorenz yeah he also had some details that only the killer would know such as the conditions of the dirt ground at the time of the murders, saying that the ground was too hard under the basement for the killer to bury the bodies. But he was just a neighbour as well, so he could have just known that. Like, we don't know. I'm sorry. I have many neighbours here. I don't know what their dirt quality is like. But I guess if you're, like, a neighbour of a farmer, you might speak to them if he... If he what? I don't know how relevant the incest side plot here is. But I'm presuming that he had some kind of relationship with this girl. Yeah, no, I figured that much. But maybe he's just chatting to them and they're like, ooh, the dirt ground. I don't know. They're hardly starting a hydroponics in their bloody basement, are they? You're not going to be talking about dirt quality of your lower levels. Sounds like a weird euphemism. <laughs> also, they sent some of the skulls to the, of the victims off for further examination. And allegedly the skulls were given to clairvoyance. And then they were lost because of World War II. Everything in this case is wild. Also, also, Victoria, before she was arrested for incest with her father, was married to a man named Carl, who was thought to have died in the First World War. But nobody knew that for sure. People just kind of speculated it. But also, people said that he always also wanted to go to Russia, and during the Second World War, people saw him in Russia. So he could have just not died, faked his death, and fled to Russia. So there's theories that he came back to see Victoria and then he saw her with her dad or this guy, Lorenz, and killed them all. So that's a theory as well. I feel like Lorenz would have been butchered, though, if that was... It could have been her dad then, because they Mm. were arrested for incest. He could have come back, he could have faked his death, went to Russia, came back, saw his wife with her father, went nuts just destroyed the place, killed them all. They sent the skulls off to clairvoyance and then they lost them. But why would he have been hanging around in the attic in the lead up? For evidence. That they're together? Yeah. Why don't you ask the neighbour? I don't know. Mm. I like the idea of that. I feel like it it makes kind of more sense than anything else. Every theory feels very far-fetched, right? But yeah, like if, if... he would have had to fake his death and go to Russia and come back. That wasn't even the bit that I was having trouble with. Oh, that's plausible. Yeah. It's the incest plot that you don't like. No, no. It's 
why would he then wait around? Like, why would he loiter around the farm for a bit before killing everyone? That doesn't make any sense. And why would you kill everyone? I don't know. I think probably Lorenz is the sketchiest out of everyone. You do? Talking about dirt quality. No one asked Lorenz. dirt quality Lorenz. is that? Lorenz is going up to a police officer like, couldn't have buried the bodies there. But it if... It would have broken a spade like this. If these guys live in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere and mm-hmm. he's their neighbour, mm-hmm. it's quite possible that he also has farmland. So he might just be, you know, familiar with, with the land. Maybe. He might have just been like, maybe that's why they didn't bury them because it's the, the dirt quality is too bad. It's not like he lived in an apartment block. Of course, you knew, you wouldn't know what your neighbour's dirt quality. Yeah, we have no dirt. But... I don't know. Like, surely he would have heard something. How close is he as a neighbour? I don't know. Place is demolished now. Mm. I'm just thinking, like, he might have heard someone or he might have seen people, like, going in and coming out. Because, like, neighbours are well nosy. I know who's coming in and going. Yeah. I am a nosy neighbour. Yeah, you've got your eye in the peephole 24-7. Blinds are constantly twitching to the side. But... If, if it, like, would it then have been him that had smelt the weird smell? I don't know. Surely he would have let himself in to see what they were doing if no one's answering and he can smell a weird burning smell. Mm, that is true. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. But also, the newspaper was from Munich. Mm-hmm. So that could have been... I'm not asked about the newspaper. You don't think that's weird at all? I'm really not bothered. Because I think the idea is that Someone could have come in from the city, mm-hmm. maybe on like a train or something, mm-hmm. and Done what? their newspaper had fallen out of their bag or something as they were getting into the attic. That just feels weird. It feels weird to me because if you're in a city, surely it's easier to murder someone. Maybe they wanted to milk a cow. I don't understand. Well, two birds, one stone. Milk I don't a cow underst- and commit murder. I don't understand why you would go to someone's house, stay in their house, kill them all. Not move them, really. Move some of them, but not all of them. Stay living in the house, eat all their food, and then flee. Yeah, because I was thinking... The whole thinking, thing is so confusing. I was thinking maybe someone's found whoever it was in the attic, got irate, obviously, being like, get out of my attic. Mm. A fight has ensued. Murder. Mm-hmm. Right. But... Oh, that's a good idea, yeah. But who? Why? If this farm is in the middle of nowhere, it's hardly going to be someone's just wandered upon it. Yeah. And it's March, it's cold. It is cold. Don't know. Nothing's adding up. I see now why it's a cold case. Yeah, super cold. You got anything else? No. I've given you so many ideas. I know. Should we talk about something happy? Yeah, I would like to. I don't know what to say. I do a paranormal podcast. I'm not used to this. <laughs> Cows have best friends. Cows do have best friends. I feel like we've said this before. Because yeah, it's my go-to fact. People ask me what a fact, what a fact is. I say cow have best friend. Happy fact. Let me Google it. Wow, the second fact on this list of happy facts is that cows have best friends. Because they do. <laughs> Norway knighted a penguin. Oh, why? His name is Sir Nils Olav the Third, and he lives in Edinburgh Zoo. The Third? 
Mm-hmm. Three other members of his family were also made honorary members of the elite guard. Why? Don't. I love that. that. It's like that place where the mayor is a dog. Mm. And it's like, I fully support this. But how is he making decisions? Almost 30,000 rubber duckies were lost at sea in the 90s. Imagine you're like on a cruise, right? And you're just like <laughs> sailing along. And oh, lo and behold, army of rubber duckies. I was imagining scuba diving. I don't know why I oh. imagined that they would all still be floating. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Like, why would they be in formation? <laughs> Dolphins give each other specific names. Ah, I wonder if they're nice names or whether they're like, bitch. Hey, bitch. That's what I say to my friends. <laughs> I feel like I've given you a lot of facts. You have, yeah. I got Cows that from Reader's friends. Digest. So. Oh. If you like the podcast, do everything we told you earlier. Don't listen before bed. <laughs> listen before bed. <laughs>